This is a HeadGum Podcast. What's up, shitheads? Welcome back to another episode of High and Mighty. It's me, your boy, the number one frog boy. The number one frog boy. The number one frog boy. <laughs> Joining me as always in the High and Mighty Studios is my nearly co- nearly silent co-host, Arthur Gabris. And guest, I would say maybe even my pod father, you inspired me to get into oh, podcasting. Oh my goodness. Jeff Rubin, Jeff Rubin. Oh, hello. Thank you. It's <laughs> oh. so fun. I listen to your show and like I've heard this intro. And so for those who have never had the privilege of being here and watching John do it, uh, it's a very physical performance. Yeah. That was like a full body thing you just did. I I'm was a not... little all over the place. Yeah, with yeah, it. I loved yeah. it. I loved it. <laughs> That's awesome. You're also holding. This is fascinating for me because you have a similar setup to me where you're using like two mics and a zoom to record things. And you're holding like the table mic stand like you're like you're at a, an open mic. Or I'm something. doing yeah. it like Freddie Mercury. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the, the top I like it. I'm going to pick up some stuff I bring back to New York here. This is fun. Yeah, because this feels weird to hold just a mic. Sitting, yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. It's a little too cash. Yeah. And then this this just feels like. Is pretty much how I roll here. I love it. I mean, yeah, this is this. Yeah, I'm sorry for everyone who doesn't have a podcast and is not interested already. Oh, this is it's 2017. I would say 80% of the (laughs) listeners have a podcast or thinking about starting one. (laughs) Oh, yeah, we should do one. We could talk about movies. We're like three white guys. Oh, (laughs) I'm blowing up my own spot. Um, Jeff, thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure. Thank you for the uh, very generous opening. Oh, yeah. We've been dying to, I've been dying to have you on. I've been a guest of your podcast a handful of times. Yes. I mean, and also, your web shows. Yeah, yeah. You were a very frequent, uh, besides um, Pat, who was like my co host, you were by far the most frequent guest because you were always, I mean, very reliable, always, always made what we were doing funny. Um, and I never asked to be on podcasts. I never, I'm, I don't like, it's weird, but like when you were starting a podcast, I was like, I gotta be on that show. Oh yeah, no shit. When you first started, like when you started, I emailed you and I was like, I want to be on your podcast. Yeah, and I, like, and I just have been in LA and blah, 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 but we're right, doing it. I have the, I, I like to do it in person. So that's right, the only right, thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I like to do, um, I interview a lot of people. Like I, I do a lot of interviews and like that, I don't mind doing over Skype cause it's like question. And then I like, yeah. listen to bit for a bit and then it's right. like, okay, another question. But when I'm just like bullshitting with someone as we are about to do <laughs> hardcore that I try to do, um, in real life. I so. was hoping you were going to actually interview me about my, uh, uh, blade one work. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I also, bre- I mentioned this and I, I, now that we're officially on air together, I should let, uh, shitheads and the listeners know that your podcast is exactly, I never want to get into a podcast because I get so tired of premises or conceits or something like that. And I couldn't think of one that I would want to dedicate enough time to. But then I, listening to your podcast over the years, I think you were around for like a year and a half, two years before I At even least, started. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, oh, this is what I want to do. It, the The overlying theme of your podcast is you. Yeah. It's Jeff Rubin. It's like the stuff you're into. And since you call it the Jeff Rubin, Jeff Rubin show, it makes sense. You know, I had uh, when I first started the show, I started like a notepad file of ideas for the show. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll do this and maybe I'll do that. And then like there was a bunch of ideas. And I was like, oh, maybe there'll be segments. And then like at the top, I wrote like you just introduce the show and then something happens and then that's it. And like that's basically still the format. Right. Exactly. It's just like, yeah. Yeah. So when I was making my podcast, I was like, this is going to be pretty much a straight rip of. Jeff Rubin show, uh, yeah, but I've, because it's me, it's going to keep that different. Yeah, path. you've said that. I've you've said that. And it's very nice of you, but I don't. I don't hear that at all. Listening to your show, and I think it's great. And you know, it reminds me. I remember when Pete Holmes started his show, and like it seemed like it might be a lot like WTF because it was like interviewing comedians. But it, of course, it's not at all because right, like you put it through Pete, the lens yeah. of Pete, and it's like a totally different thing. Um, and I think, and it's mostly Pete having guests on so he could talk about himself to them. <laughs> well. <but laughs> 
uh, anyway, I'm just saying that, like, if you, you know, um, I, so if it was inspiring for you, that's very nice. But like, I, I, it's totally its own thing, and that's yeah, that's it's great. its own beast now. And now we're both on headgum, so it feels yeah, yeah, weird. yeah. <laughs> um, so we decided that we wanted to double dip into a special crossover. Uh, yeah, setting. this is exciting. I was like, I want novel. I like novelty episodes. Oh, you know? I'm 100. Yeah. percent I'm into it. Yeah. So tell the audience what we're doing. For uh, we're doing an episode of my podcast. Right now, you're listening to it, and uh-huh. <laughs> uh, we're going to be talking about the film Blade One. Then next week on Tuesday, uh, five days from today, if you're listening to this the day it comes out, if not, you're so skewed. Jeff will have a episode on his podcast with me as the guest talking about Blade Two, and then we're going to start another podcast <laughs> just to cover Blade Three. Yeah. I'm just kidding. I refuse to acknowledge Blade Three. Yeah, you you and I are just going to go on. How did this get made for Blade Trinity? And then hopefully, <laughs> how um, what is your? I actually don't know this. We we pitched a few ideas back and forth about what we we're going to do. I fucking love the Blade movies so much. and I, I love them when they came out, yeah. and I love them even more upon rewatch. Okay, I forgot great. how I, much. I didn't know I, what you're... They what held you're, up so they hard. They do hold up really well. And um, maybe we can start you know, talking about the movies. Let's do I it. actually saw Blade pretty recently. I watched, rewatched them both for this, but I actually saw them pretty recently. Um, BAM, which is the Brooklyn Academy of Music in Brooklyn, yeah. um, they had a Wesley Snipes retrospective. They also have what? a movie theater, and they show cool old movies sometimes. They had a month of Wesley Snipes movies, and it made me realize like how good Wesley Snipes' career is. Passenger 57 pa- is so fucking good. They showed Passenger 57, White Men Can't Jump, so Major good. League, Great. The Blades, um, New Jack City. Oh, shit. Like, these are, yeah. like, good movies, and it made me think, like, um, it made me it made me appreciate Wesley Snipes' career, you know, and that like he made cool movies and he, he and it made me think of um, some uh, The Rock, actually, because The Rock, we all love The Rock. You know, he's like literally the most popular actor in America. I'm, right now. I'm getting I'm, I'm I'm edging towards rock overload. Well, the thing is that, like, I think The Rock's good in every movie he's in. Like right. everyone likes The Rock. Yeah. The Rock's funny. But I don't know if there's like a great movie that The Rock is in yet. And I actually I follow him on Instagram, as we all do. Yeah. And like I see he's like. On the set of Rampage, we're making the movie out of the video game Rampage with my bros at Warner Brothers Studios. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know about this one. And it made me think, like, I don't know, just like when you reach a certain level of actor, like, you can start. I mean, it just made me think, like, how Wesley Snipes must have worked. I, I want to credit him for being in so many good movies over the course of his right, career. Like That's quality what, movies, yeah, not, yeah, not that, just that hold all up. blockbusters. Yeah. 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 And, um, I mean, they mostly were blockbusters, too, but he also is in. Like, Blade is fucking great. Blade is so good. So, Blade is one of the first Marvel movies, right? Yeah, so that's, I think probably the, like, the thing it will be remembered for is like the first, it's kind of the first modern superhero movie, because yeah. if you look at the Marvel movies before that, um, it's like that Roger Corman Fantastic Four, right. that like Captain America from like 1990, oh, shit, and yeah. um, stuff like, well, there's another bad one that had come out just a few years before that, I think I wrote it down, but then- Spawn, no, that was- Spawn, a, no, yeah, Spawn's yeah. not Marvel, but like that, that was like what comic book movies were oh, like yeah. then. And then this came out, and like it kind of feels pretty modern. Like it doesn't right. feel like if you watch like um, Christopher Reeve's Superman or even Tim Burton Batman, which yeah. is like a good movie. Like it feels old a little, it you know. Like it feels does. a little dusty. Like it feels like it was made a long time ago. Blade still fucking feels yeah. fresh, which is crazy. As a matter of fact, watching Blade with some of the practical effects and some of the weird stuff, I was like, I wish more modern comic book movies looked like Blade. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Blade's also the other thing about Blade is. 
it predates um i was reminded a lot of the matrix and i had to like check to see when the matrix came out this predates the matrix i know you know a lot of like trench coats and rave culture yeah it's like goth rave it's very 90s right? and there's also like kung fu plus guns there's like sort of a japanese plus japanese action manga type stuff yeah. plus american sensibilities that i think right, the matrix really matrix like weaponized too. a few years later Ni so this is 91 is uh, 99 no, I 99 think. or 98 maybe yeah and um yeah it's really good like some of the effects especially in blade one are like a little goofy and but like, I kind of like them. oh yeah, yeah 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 they're charming as hell like, like the the swelling of the heads like yeah when like they, it's like, like a gushers commercial yeah exactly I think yeah I thought that's fun though because that made it that made it feel like a comic book because outside of that stuff the Blade movies just feel like a dark like they feel like what Underworld wishes they were yeah yeah and yeah. I know people are huge fans of Underworld I've I, never really I, seen them I don't dislike it but I I'm, Blade. When I watch Underworld, especially like Blade Two, which we'll talk about on Jeff Rubin, yeah, Jeff yeah. Rubin show, Blade Two it has like all those tunnel sequences, and it feels like just like Underworld, right? Blade Blade One though is so fucking awesome. They set the lore up in like a minute. Yeah, no, that's so that's something. It's kind of interesting how it feels modern, but um, there's a few things where it's almost. Uh, ahead of its time one it's an R-rated movie which like comic movies kind of moved away from and are only recently moving back to but Blade calls a lot of people motherfuckers you know yes. like in addition to the violence and gore Wesley like Snipes is a badass at, like the reason the Blade movies rule is because it truly it has like every check mark that you need for like a fun movie wait 99 puts me at 16 or 17 years old yeah yeah this movie comes out and it features uh, guns karate <laughs> vampires uh, raves like electronic music, tons of blood, tons of gore, like hot chicks doing sketchy shit. Like th this is like the fucking you know that hits like nine fucking pressure points. Um, would you remember seeing Blade? I actually kind of remember. I actually remember seeing it for the first time, which is weird. Yeah, um, I watched it in college. I feel like I missed it when it first came out, but I watched it like I, freshman all, year. Yeah, or something I remember like watching it not in college, but I remember watching it with a friend, like at a friend's place. And I actually remember it because we saw it on HBO or something, and we like caught it in the middle, and it was so good that we were like, like you know, HBO's playing it again, and we were yeah. like, let's let's now sit here and watch it from the beginning. <laughs> like we watched it like one and a half times, like the very that's first the time I saw it. it. Yeah, uh, man, that blood rave in the beginning. Yeah, like that's a movie that you like that now knowing a little bit more about Hollywood. That's the shit where you like you sell that in the room on that pitch of just like yeah. and then the fucking faucets open and blood comes all over everyone. You know what I noticed watching it again is that the victim. I mean, first of all, there's kind of a clever scene where like the guy seems like kind of a it's kind of a clever twist where the guy seems like kind of a predatory guy and yeah. he's like being a little sleazy with this woman, but then the woman is the one who's actually like leading him into a trap in this yeah. club. That guy is, is uh, Lem, Lem from yeah. the Shield. Yeah, there's a few people in this movie, um, in. And more in Blade too, but there's a few people like actors I've come to like that I didn't yeah. realize were in Blade. I love watching old good movies and yeah. then revealing like nine people that now have huge careers. Right, that right, like, right. Oh shit! Of course that guy's so good in this moment. But yeah, it's interesting how Blade has no origin story. Essentially, like it's it's kind of like pre credit. There's a little bit pre credits, and then there's like a little bit like two thirds of the way through the movie. Yeah, he's like his mom was bit by a vampire while she was pregnant. Yeah, it's like yeah. all you need. But it wor it works and um I wish more uh you know, that's like I guess Iron Man made a billion dollars and then like that kind of became the blueprint for like PG thirteen and the first right. one's the origin and Iron Man's a great movie, but it's kinda it was kind of refreshing to see how Blade kinda hits the ground running like I love I'm so tired of origin stories. Yeah. Like we know how Spider like America knows how Spider Man became Spider Man. Yeah. Well, thankfully the new Spider Man, which we're recording this before it comes out, so I haven't yeah. seen it of course, but um seems like 
I mean, in the new Spider-Man, I think in Civil War, there's a line where Tony Stark's like, how long have you been doing this? And he's like, I've been doing it three months already. And I was like, all right, great. Perfect. Yeah, yeah we don't like, have that. Yeah. Um, I was like relieved to hear that line. Yeah. Um, you know, it's okay in like Ant-Man or something like that where like we're not all, or Guardians, where like we're not all familiar with the right, characters. Yeah. But and, like, yeah. Or they're going to be integrated into another movie, so we need a little bit of a setup. But, but like... I, I actually just did the Batman VR game, and the Batman VR game has a moment with the... Uh, in Crime Alley, where he, she's getting shot, and I'm like, God, fu-. like if I have to go to Crime Alley one more I'm time, I'm so tired of seeing Batman's parents get killed. A cool thing about it, not to get sidetracked. One interesting thing about that that I you wouldn't experience in another medium in the Batman virtual reality game is like in Crime Alley, you're very short because like you're you know you're wearing the VR helmet, so like your perspective is that of a kid, and like you're, you have to like look up to kind of see your parents. Oh, that's cool. So that's, that's like that's cool. something that like a take a, our way of conveying what Crime Alley is that like you couldn't get through a movie or even a comic book or a video game. So like right. they, I guess they found something new, but just as soon as I saw Crime Alley, I rolled that's my like, eyes. Ah, who gives a fuck? Because it was it. they're dead, and that my, was my in... mother's name is Martha too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That movie, <laughs> of course. Like as soon as I saw Crime Alley in that movie, I was like, uh oh, that ain't oh, good. Fuck yeah, no bueno. Um. What do you know about Chris Christopherson? Because he is a legendary musician, well-respected actor. I don't know anything about him. But Me the neither. My, and I remember because now I'm uh, now I'm remembering. Maybe I didn't watch Blade in college because I remember, what, or I was in college age, but I watched it with my dad. And because my dad, I'm like, Dad, who is this guy? He's like, Oh, he's a great musician. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't know. And I'm like, Oh, that's cool that he's an actor. I'm like, Is this his only movie? He's like, No, he's in a lot of movies too. Yeah, he I, he's um. I think he's in A Star, which I, Star. let me tell you, I've never seen yeah. <laughs> so, A Star is Born with yeah, uh, yeah. Barbara Streisand, who's also, of course, a musician. And I think he's like a pretty well, I mean, he's definitely like a legendary country musician. And yeah. I think he's a pretty well-regarded actor, too. He's pretty great in these movies. He's actually, awesome in these movies. It struck me watching Blade One how little he's actually in it. Like, he's really not in it very much. Like, he's probably got five or six scenes, maybe. You but know? they must have loved him so much to, and we'll talk about this yeah, in the yeah, episode, they, to like just retcon him into the movie. Yeah, they bring him back. <laughs> what about... Stephen Dorff. What's your Stephen Dorff? Stephen Dorff is... So Stephen Dorff plays Deacon Frost, the, great the bad name. guy. Great fucking name. Feels yeah. like right out of Diablo. He is... Deacon Frost is a character in the comic books. I don't know. I don't have a lot of experience with Blade in the comic books. That's what I was going to say is yeah. that Blade... Uh, I was a comic book nerd for a while growing up, and Blade was just a book I never read. Yeah. I, I remember him being on the 90s Spider-Man cartoon briefly, but like he's not oh, a character yes, I had a lot yes, of... Yeah. Anyway, Deacon Frost is a villain in Blade, but in the co- traditionally... I bet they've updated it since the movie came out. They usually right. do, but... Like he was like an older person. Like it seems like basically they just took his name. Yeah. Because the youth and like his youthful rebelliousness is actually like uh, thematically important for right. Deacon. Like it's like kind of who his character. Deacon is. Frost is really fun. Stephen Dorff is surprisingly fun in this movie. He feels like a goofy Ethan Hawke. He is pretty fun in the movie, and it's weird. Um, he he's kind of fun. It's not like a great all time great villain performance, but it's definitely fun. He's definitely having. He's got fun. some fun moments. He definitely has some fun moments that I remember. There's a lot of shots in this movie that like I really remember. You know, same like watching here. again. Like same here. Deacon. Like there's that towards the end. We're going all spoilers on this, right? Like we can. We, yeah. We, 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 no, if you haven't caught Blade <laughs> One, just don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, at the end when he's like becoming the blood god or whatever, there's that like crane shot where it's like looking down at him. And, like I, yeah. I, that's not and like. His arm get, when he gets cut in half and his arm getting cut off. There's like right. a lot of shots in this movie that really stand out uh, to me. The blood, the blood rave is like burned in my head. I'm sure most pe- most people who've seen Blade will never forget. Like when they're like, ah, yeah, yeah. The other um, 
the what was I gonna say? The other thing with uh, Deacon Frost, the other thing that's Matrix like is there's a scene where he dodges some of Blade's bullets in slow yeah. motion. It's like not nearly as good as the Matrix, but it's like kind of the same. They idea. do some bullet time in uh, uh, in both movies. Yeah, so it's like it's definitely leading up to the Matrix. Right, you know? right, yeah. Um, yeah, the, I love the prevalence of sunglasses in these movies. Yeah, I also recently watched Terminator Two again. It's like uh, Terminator Two sunglasses are just time. so fu- so prominent. Yeah, I mean, I guess in Blade they're vampires, right? So it's so like they have to wear. I think I don't know like the sunglasses I think if you ask the writer David S. Goyer who we should probably discuss a little bit because he's had an interesting career I think yeah. if, I think if you ask him uh, like they they represent something because like people take them from Blade and right. like he gets them back at key moments like yeah, I think he, I think it's supposed to mean the, like, something besides just being cool I don't know exactly right. just generally his mojo maybe or but something but again that so feels like the Matrix just like trench coats and fucking uh, yeah yeah I didn't even put that together until you said it right at the beginning of this podcast but it like opened up my mind of just like yeah the Matrix owes a lot to Blade well it's if you look at the Matrix like you can almost defi- describe like all action movies are basically like pre and post the Matrix, I right, think, right. right? And like Blade is pre the Matrix technically, but it's like you you would not know that if you watched it. It right, feels right. like it's post Matrix. Yeah. I mean, Terminator Two is probably another dividing line for action movies. Like yes. if you look at like eighty, if you look at pre Terminator Two and after Terminator Two, they got a lot different. And a right, lot, they you know. Got, uh, um, what did I want to say about so Stephen Dorff is interesting because I feel like this is one of his I feel like people know his name I think he was like a teen heartthrob right I don't, yeah I couldn't name you five I mean was he, he's in the Lost Boys is he in the Lost Boys I'm or not sure that, or am I getting confused with Ethan Hawke or uh, I'm not a no Lost I, yeah. I've seen, I saw Lost Boys as a, Lost Boys as a kid and I don't Same really remember here. it that well but uh, Dorff he's in like a bunch he's of in SFW yeah. or not SF that's Christian Slater he's in some sort of radio movie though right am I making that up uh, yeah. you know what I really know him from is speaking of watching HBO growing up is The Gate do you ever see yes. the gate? They're like he's where like, she stabs that stabs the monster in the eye with the Barbie feet. Yeah, so yeah. He, the gate is like an eighties, certainly pre Terminator two horror movie. Um, where a very young like Stephen Dorff, he's like a, a very young kid in that movie, and they pl- I think they play a record and open up a gate to hell in their house. Yeah, it's like and a, they get an eye on his hand, and I yeah. remember a distinct imagery from that. movie. That's got too. a that movie has an as at least in my mind like an awesome practical effects finale where there's like all sorts of like stop motion demons <laughs> yeah, crawling yeah, out yeah. crawling out of the hole or something yeah, I'm curious what that would look like now if I watched it Steven Dorff still works like I looked it up like he's been in a movie at least one movie every year between now and Blade but like I don't know what a lot I I, I, didn't, I wasn't familiar with a lot, a lot of them lot of there's a few seen. like he ch- there's a few that you've seen but like I don't know he didn't seem like yeah was he in that... Sleepers that movie with Brad Pitt and those maybe guys? Yeah. I can't I can't recall but even that's a while ago yeah now. that's a while ago yeah Dorff is really fun like he I always Fuck Paxton Pullman. I always thought Stephen Dorff and Ethan Hawke were like side by side. But Ethan Hawke is like the art versus Stephen Dorff is the commerce in a right. weird way. Yeah. Um, something else I thought watching this movie was uh, the like vampires as evil conglomerate kind of business people. Yeah. Is I, I was wondering if how much that move this movie invented that. And because I, that ends up being that ends up being a big thing. Right. That, yeah. Like a lot of movies where it's like. The monsters are uh, businessmen in a way. Right. Too. They're they're more in, like, oh, the bad guys are also board members. Right. You know? And like, like the, the evil's like sophisticated and like right. they have a lawyer and like yeah. it made me think of um, Buffy and specifically Angel because on Angel I, don't I know, never like, watch Angel. I watch Buffy though. Uh, on Angel, sort of the the main bad guy over the course of the show is like an evil law firm like Wolfram and Hart, and oh. I don't think I think they're more demonic than vampires. Or they're certainly vampire adjacent, and uh, they. Uh, 
It reminded me, watch, now, Angel, Buffy, and this premiere around the same time, but I think Wolfram and Hearts, like, a few years later. Right. And, um, but it reminded me of, like, you ever see, oh, Ethan Hawke, that movie Daybreakers? Yeah, yeah. You ever yeah. see that movie Daybreakers? That's, like, a good, like, corporate vampire movie. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's so, I love that, and I, I love that it's, like, rave and, like, old money at the same time, because it, it feels holdover, like, from Count Dracula. Yeah, well, Dracula is actually the bad guy in Blade Three. Which I right. don't remember at all, but I read the Wikipedia page on the way over here. I remember that uh, Ryan Reynolds and is it Giselle? No, it's not Jessica Giselle. Biel. Jessica Biel. I knew it was someone hot. Yeah, I remember right. that Reynolds and Jessica Biel are in that, and Ryan Reynolds is. I remember being funny in that. I actually love. So I love Blade One, as we've clearly established. Yeah, I own most of the Pixar movies, a few concert DVDs, The Simpsons, Arrested Development. I own like three feature films on DVD, and two of them are Blade One and Two. That's um, awesome. <laughs> I love. I think Blade One might have been the first thing I bought on online. Like I remember buying it like on eBay or something. I was like, for I, I don't know. Like I, I remember That's like really an fun. early online transaction. My one so, of Tiffany's first jobs was at New Line Cinemas, and she got access to their uh, library. And I was like, "You got to get Blade One <laughs> and Two right away." All that's a setup that I have never actually even finished watching Blade Three. Like, I love Blade One and Two in my soul, and I like, I like just, I was like, not even mad. I was just like, "This is boring," and turned off Blade oh, Three. So it's so, funny, yeah. yeah, it's really, um, it's really bad. And also, I think the first Ryan Reynolds. The first of the Ryan Reynolds attempts to be in a comic book movie, you know, yeah, the first you, of like eight <laughs> that um, Green Lantern, of course, which I complain about every four or five episodes of my podcast, <laughs> even though it's, I just saw it one seven years ago or whatever. Um, he did that BRPD movie where they were like hell detectives or something. Yes, that was a comic book. Yes. He was Deadpool in the Wolverine in, Logan in the Wolverine, uh, Origins. The Wolverine Origins movie um, before finally like making, you know, finally landing it with Deadpool. But that I, that guy, he, he it took him a few tries, but he finally nailed Lucky it. Lucky he got so many fucking tries, yeah. dude. That's so crazy. Um DC and Marvel, he jumped back and forth. Yeah, and even BRPD, or whatever that one, that's like a weird indie thing, too. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Blade is, is what? So what What? What were some high, like, fuck, Donal Logue is great in oh, this movie. Oh, I love Donal Logue. I yeah. love me some Donal. Uh, yeah, what do you yeah. say? Don What's up with Donal? It's like... I say Donal. Donal? Don't? Yeah. I don't know. Do you ever watch... Uh, Let's let's explain to people who don't doing all Logan is because there's a good chance you'd recognize him if you don't know him by name. Yeah, if you're in your 30s, you might know him as the cab driver from the MTV. Oh, uh, that's so funny. Promos he's, from like the early 90s. He's got a really cool, varied career. Like he he plays like lots of different people. Um, he feels like the kind of guy that like writers and directors and other actors love. Yes, because he's like always in something that's got some cred to it in a cool role. Yeah, you know what you would dig if you haven't seen it is, is the TV Terriers. of Terriers. Yeah, I haven't seen. Yeah, it you yet. Would, Terriers. Um, of course, Sean Ryan from the Shield, which you already mentioned. Right, right. Terriers is like one of those one season wonder shows. Um, yeah. That stars him. I can't remember the other actor's name, but they're both great in it. Everyone's recommended. Me yeah, you, I, I do like Donald Logue a lot. It's good, and it's like thirteen episodes, and it's like sad they never made more of it, but it's like pretty self-contained, and I would like. Not only you, but your listeners. Um, strong recommendation. It's it's one that everyone. Rec- it's like not a. It's sort of. It's cultish, but I'm sh- probably not the first. You knew what where I was right, going. Right, right, right. Yeah, he's great in that. It's and he's like the star of that. You know. Oh, cool. He was on that show. Um, def- there were like robbers or something like Defenders of Liberty Knights of something. Oh, it was like a Fox show in like the two thousand. Ten items or less? No, no. It was like Knights of Prosperity or something like oh, that. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And he was also on. Um, in the movie The Tao of Steve. Or the I never Tao saw that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's really had a varied career. His name's Don... I guess, I, I'm assuming if you, it's Donal, like Donald, but without the D, if you yeah. Google that, like, yeah. go look at his face. You'll, 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 you'll recognize it. And he's so fun in this movie. I mean, Blade 
takes himself so like Wesley Snipes is like not is very serious and like kind of a black hole for fun in this movie. But they kind of give him a couple of things yeah, that make yeah. him cool. They, he gives he, there's one thing where he like uh, I think after he clears out the the rave, he gives him he just enjoys a nice fist pump for no one but yes. himself. Yeah, I remember that was so. There's a couple of great moments in both movies, one and two, where he kind of just smiles and it's like enough for you to be like, oh, he. At least he enjoys kicking people's asses. Yeah. It's like really fun. So he and Blade uh so yeah, wait, what were we saying? Sorry. I was saying that uh Donal Logue brings all the fun oh, yeah, into the yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, and, and Steven Dorff too. Like I yeah. guess the villains are like the fun and silly ones. Donal is sort of the it's kind of funny like watching this again. I realize like what an incompetent henchman he is. Like he's got this like world conquering plan to like re- resurrect the blood god, and he's got this like kind of goofy guy who's afraid of who's blade as like his number cut two. Off, like, four times. Yeah, yeah. It, it seems like not great. Um, you know, not great delegation it's on, not, yeah, on it's Deacon's not a, part. It's not an equivalent level of uh, like badassdom. <laughs> how familiar are you as sort of my action movie rabbi? How familiar are you with Wesley Snipes's martial arts prowess? Because he's actually like a black. Belt. Like, yeah, he's a high-ranking martial artist because it's he's good in. Yeah, Blade. he is. His fighting is. All, they do very good job in Blade, which I think is what the Matrix then d- did. And then, like, if you want to jump even uh, down again, you can say to John Wick, um, of just like it's a shootout. It's uh, fucking guns. We got pistols, dual pistols, shotguns, all that. Then it's like now it's a sword. Now I'm using a sword and I'm sword fighting other guys. Then f- for some reason. 20 humans come in and I have to fist fight them. You know what I mean? It's like one of those things where it's like... A lot of rioting. Yeah, and you love it. And you gotta love it because then you get to see him do karate after he runs out of bullets. Yeah, I like that he has a a sheath for his sword in his uh, trench coat, you know? (laughs) It's not a sheath. It's like built into the coat. It's like underneath the trench coat part of the coat. But there's still a sword handle sticking out, so it's like not subtle. (laughs) Watching it again, it was kind of fun. I was trying to do like a deep read. I've seen these movies so many times. Especially Blade 2. I literally saw Blade 2 a month ago. Like, who, who do you know that's seen Blade 2 twice in the past month? No, you are the, now the only person. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, so it was, I was trying to, and like, we were talking about it earlier, how like, I think there's like a, a sort of a youth versus like old man theme to the movie, right? Yeah. Like, that seems like, it's like the vampires are kind of like these like old, there's this old thing and they're very content with the way things currently are. And Deacon... He's like the young rich. He, he like he's not. He doesn't want to be subservient to the humans. But there's all this stuff where like he's throwing parties and like they're like your parties are attracting too much attention. But he just like wants to have fun. He's like very like hedonistic. You see that parallel a lot in like uh, modern uh, movies where it's like they like Iron Fist or a bunch of other shit where it's like the kid takes is like edging out the parents yeah. of the company and it's like he's this is not what the corporation was built on this is not what the empire was built on you know you're and then so it's more about the fun and the hedonism and shit and then it's like a touch more evil it's the change of the status quo right but then i guess in blade that guy who is trying to take it over the youth is the ba- actually the the bad guy and right. he is defeated in the end so it almost in a weird way comes down on the sides of like the old stodgy people it's like you know get in line be happy with your being underground vampires yeah it's almost like saying like vampires aren't bad guys they've it's a t- like they mention it a lot in both movies that it's a disease a sexually transmitted yeah. disease i was wondering about that too cuz i feel like that like 
is a theme I've seen visited since. Like, it's it's definitely in Buffy. Yeah. And Buffy, like, Buffy uses, like, a demon as a metaphor, like, every week. So, like, any sort of, like, <laughs> evil thing standing for something has yeah. been used over, like, the 12 seasons of Buffy plus Angel. <laughs> Um, but all, but also in other things, I was wondering how, um, and I've never read or seen any of this, but how Anne Ricey that was like the, the, oh, the, yeah, the, um, the vampire sexually transmitted disease. Cause I just, I just know there's sexy vampires in that. So yeah, I that's it. true. That's and also very, it's like early, and, it's and like true blood, and true blood is like that too. Oh, true. It's sexually, or STD is like a theme in, in true blood. Sex. It's a very, like vampires are very sexual. Like, yeah, yeah. that's always been the case. I mean, it's like, yeah. uh, and it's an exchange of bodily fluids in a way. Right, right. I guess interview with a vampire is the first one that like kind of made it explicit or the first one I can think I mean yeah. there's I'm sure there's like some 70s movie or something right. um, but then like Blade and then of course like you get to like uh, Twilight and right. it's it's like cliche Romantic, now yeah. you know it's <laughs> yeah. it's it's and Buffy of course and it's uh it's it's almost cliche now to have like sexy vampires but the idea of like vamp vampirism as an STD and particularly there's this weird thing where Deacon is not a full vampire he's almost like a mudblood Right, part, right. Part, pardon my slurs, but, but, but uh, no, here on High and Mighty, slurs are allowed, even if they are against the fictional types of people. Right, like the, the Deacon, they're sort of like it's implied that Deacon feels genealogically inferior because he wasn't born a vampire. Like he has a scar from Scarlet Fever when he was a kid, right? That's never healed because he wasn't a vampire when he was a kid, and like the other vampires, like. The Vampire Council, including Udo Kier, who's like, I was like, who is this guy? And I looked him up and I was like, right. You know Udo Kier? I saw the name in the credits and I recognized it, but I didn't know who he was. He's like the he's like a giant man with like piercing blue eyes who plays a vampire and virtually every <laughs> he's in um, a lot of vampire movies and he's in a lot of um what's his name? Uh Lars Van Trier type stuff. Oh, okay. He's like got a very distinct I know who look. You're talking about, he plays yeah. the guy, he's like the main vampire board member who they yes. take to the beach and like you know kill him. He's yeah, like the yeah. main, he's the vampire board member with the most speaking lines. That was a really cool sequence, the beach sequence when they all just put down the visors on their yeah. fucking. And it's like, oh, I thought that would lead to a. When I rewatched it, I was like, oh, this is such a good idea. This should be a sequence later on in the movie that vampires are on the street in like full uh, coverage with the fucking helmets and masks on, like in a uh, Bruce Lee movie. You know, right. like they all have the motorcycle helmets on. To protect their and then Blade could be like if he punches through the glass they get fried you know that would oh, be such yeah. a cool action sequence isn't there a, what is the deal I actually couldn't quite understand when Deacon is does appear in broad daylight in the scene where he dodges those bullets and he's like holding that girl yeah like what is the uh how did he do that? He had like some sort of new sunscreen they were developing or something I, I don't fully understand I didn't get that I, the, the uh, Blade Two does an even worse job at this, but like the logic of like what works and what doesn't doesn't always. Oh well, there's a scene where they're like crosses. That's from the movies, yeah, you know. Right. <laughs> like uh, th th there's definitely one of those garlic, silver, and sunlight. Yeah, they're pretty picky. <laughs> it's like crosses. That's from the movie. Garlic, though, no, that'll work. No, garlic, garlic is no, no. Yeah, that, that's real. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, yeah. Just, let me consult my notes. I want to see what other. There, I, I, there's definitely some things I want to make make sure I touch on. I here. fucking love the setup of the sword that blows your hand off. Oh like, yeah. yeah, like the so fingerprint. You know so when so at the BAM retrospective, they showed Blade One and Two in one sitting. Oh, and I was genius. late. I was late because I think it was Passover or some <laughs> other Jewish holiday. It's like, oh, hurry it up, everybody! You know, <laughs> give me the matzah. I gotta go. I gotta go. So I went. And I I came in the middle of Blade One or like towards the end of Blade One actually, which is it's 
like the person at the desk was like, uh, you know, the movie's already started. I was like, oh, if I know Blade, he's he's just getting wound up. <laughs> if, if I, and, and I came in the part where um, Stephen Dorff is holding the sword and he's like walking around. I'm like, awesome. I got right here at the part where his hand explodes. And then he like flicks it off because I had missed the part where the sword does explode someone's takes hand. Donald Logue. Donald Logue. But Stephen Dorff knows it's going to happen. This right. is later in the movie. That's so he like, so sweet. So, he gets, so, so me as the viewer who had seen Blade so many times, it still caught me off guard. I was like, oh, no. Oh, right. <laughs> I was Shit, like, he knows. I was yeah. like, oh, man, Blade's in trouble now. This guy's yeah. like, it was like seeing it for the first time. I was like legitimately surprised when... Uh, when when Deacon Frost got one over on Blade, yeah. I was like, uh oh. Like, Blade catches a lot of stuff behind his back. Yeah. The sword the sword exploding into the, the sword handle exploding is like a, a theme and it, it saves the day at the end. Right, I yeah, guess, it's right? a nice throw. And then it pops the fucking serum out. I gotta say, watching it at the end, I couldn't remember how he beats him. Like I remember like ever I remember the awesome sequence where all the fucking where he summons the blood god and all the like CGI demons crawl, crawl out of their they mouths. They literally, you see the hands pull the cheeks back, and, and then, then and then fly through Deacon, and you know, yeah. and then um, and then they Blade cuts him in half. And I like, remember all that, and then they're fighting. I was like, how does Blade win? And I couldn't remember that he uses the chemical that like yeah. blows him up, like the Gushers commercial. Like it's weird because that is such a funny shot. Like right. and that, and we he, were saying, how many shots are so memorable to me in that movie? And like that one, I couldn't. I remember distinctly at all. remember because I laughed when it happened again in this. When after he's thrown one of those little tubes, and this is again we were talking about a little bit. What are those tubes? The blue I ones. I think it's set up. I just watched them both, so I, I'm having trouble remembering. Because yeah. I think in both movies, someone develops a new chemical that explodes vampires. Right. It's, it's like, like an anticoagulant yeah. or whatever. It I does, think that's in the second one, but I think in the first one, the nurse character like she makes something that like react. Like remember, she tells Whistler to like look at something under the microscope and it explodes, oh, and she's right. like it reacts with their blood or something. Right, I think, right, I think right, that's what's yeah. in the, that's what's in the vials. And so he hits. Uh, he hits Deacon with one, and then Deacon leaps, and the shot that they use is like a throwback, like night oh night. yeah, and he's got it's he's like a Bruce like, Lee thing where it's like, and you get that whoa 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 like, yeah, I but he's do doing the like the hands up like yeah. Nosferatu leap where his knees are tucked and his hands are above his head, and he's and that's when fucking uh, Blade whips like nine fucking right. tubes into his chest, and he lands. And I, I distinctly remember that shot of him landing and like looking down. Then all of a sudden he starts like swelling up. That is a very um like kung fu movie. That is like particularly Japanese. Like that slow motion shot. And it's kind of got like that like kung fu movie like sound effect. I tried yeah. to do it with my mouth a second ago. It went terribly. Yeah. Hopefully people just know what I'm talking about. Um, Where it's like the background is blurry and the foreground. But then also someone like throwing ten things and like yeah. cutting <laughs> them all in someone. Yeah. Like that that feels very kung fu movie. There's a lot of like uh throwback like old school Shaw Brothers kung fu stuff in this movie. But it's also very American with like the raves and yeah. like the technology and like um a lot it feels distinctly American too, which is cool. Um and I love like fuck man, the weapons he uses oh, are yeah. so gangster. Like there's like two sequences, maybe I've and again I just re rewatch them so I maybe blending, but like where he uses like ostensibly what are like silver sharpened dildos, like yeah. like chrome vibrators. He's like wielding them and he just keeps stabbing people with them. I'm like, that's so fucking badass. Well it's Father's Day, you know what that means. Time to shave your dad's nuts. Uh, I'm sorry, I misread that. Time to get your dad a Father's Day gift. Or any dad. Or a guy who wants to be a dad. Or someone who used to be a dad. Although that's a sad story. Look, do yourself a favor. Get on dollarshaveclub.com and get high quality blades and amazing shave butter delivered right to your door. Or right to your dad's door. You know how dads love gimmicks? They would love... 
to have razors delivered to their house and they get to see, yeah, my son is good with technology and he sends me these razors every month and now my balls are perfectly smooth. Or maybe your dad shaves his whole face and then in which case he'll get even more use out of the Dollar Shave Club blades. And you're wondering if you're shaving your big ass dad face, you're going to run out of blades. But that's just it. You get them new every month. So for a limited time, new members get their first month of the executive razor with a tube of their Dr. Carver Shave Butter for only five bones with free shipping. After that, your razors are just a few bucks a month. $15 value, five bones. In your first month's box, you get a handle, a full cassette of four exclusive cartridges, and a tube of shave butter. And you can only get this offer now by going to dollarshaveclub.com slash mighty. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash mighty to get your dad a gift that keeps on giving. What about the scene, maybe the best scene of the movie, where with the giant, fat, like, ancient creature that they uh, torture? Oh, yeah. What was his name? I forget. I think it's, well, it's, conf- I actually was going to ask you if you could figure out what gender it was, because I think they refer to it as a he, but his name is Pearl, and, like, it's unclear to me. Oh, and it's, it's such a record like, keeper. Yeah, yeah and yeah. it's such, like, a weird creature. That, I and- think it was a guy, because I don't, I don't think they'd have a tits out on it. It's chair. topless, yeah. and, but it's got, like, it's this giant, like, flabby beast thing and it's got these like giant floppy tits and like it makes no sense but I love when they fucking start it it is a disgusting set piece it's It's so it must be from the comics right I don't know um I don't know I don't I don't know the so specific I mean that's so funny to say like it could be just a very good idea from the writer or director something let's talk about it David Goyer oh yeah wait wait wait, something before uh just the vampire language is something else like the, the artificial language, you know, is yeah. like a cool thing like that. They have like er, their own kind of vampire culture, you yeah. know, like um, with, with the, like familiars and all that yeah. stuff. I kind of like with the little sign and like, the glyphs. Yeah. And there's a that's great, what they're called. Glyphs. I like the scene with the, uh, where they're in the boardroom and they're speaking vampire language. It's like, Vaktox, Gandu, Blade, Vaktox. Like, Blade is the one word they have not translated into vampire yet. Blade, Daywalker, Vaktox. I wonder if they went like, you know, now when you do that, um, uh, like the Dothraki guy I had, I had on my podcast, I created the Dothraki language, and I know he worked on the language for like Aliens vs. Cowboys. I know there's a lot of shows now that do... Have a language. Uh, have an artificial language that they like, you know, really make a functioning language. And I wonder if they did that for Blade. I doubt it. Like, I doubt it's true. They were like, just mumble and say Blade. Yeah, this is before like cinematic universes and like all that. They need to establish all that. Yeah. Okay. So David S. Goyer wrote this movie. I think he's he's written a lot of comic books too. Yeah, and a lot of comic book movies. Uh, right. Right. So notably. The Dark Knight trilogy, which is right. like, you know, uh, many would say is the greatest comic book movie achievement of all time. And also, I believe... Um, Let's get I'm, the li- I'm going to get the list in front of me. This yeah, is, sure. This is what I believe American up. Gods. This the new, new show? show. I haven't I watched he- that yet. Um, I want to move my phone away from the mic because I'm afraid it's going to like, you know, do the cell phone thing. Um, but yeah, David S. Goyer... Um, directed the third Blade movie, which I already mentioned I hated. Yeah. So it's like, I never know what to think about him. He's, he's written some movies that turned out less than good and some movies that turned out bad. I mean, yeah. it's tough to like, you know, when he's the right, I don't know, you never, I don't know how much if to you, credit if you or hit, blame him. If you hit uh, three and a half out of ten pitches, you're like an amazing hitter. That's true, if yeah. You, if you get uh, five out of, if, if 50% of your movies are very good, yeah, you, you're fine in my book. Yeah, so Blade One and Two. I mean, the Dark Knight trilogy like really uh, like gives a lot. Gives him a lot of credit. But you, I guess you got to give him credit for like essentially writing like the first good comic book movie. Like if you go back and watch Spawn, it is unwatchably bad. It's, bad. it's yeah. like well, what's crazy about Blade Two is like, and I, I mean about Blade One, Blade also 
it feels weird for us to talk about it, but it is a black lead too. Right. Yeah. Uh, I was trying to think about how is that a piece of the movie? Like, I think it is particularly in the second one where Ron Perlman, when we can talk about this, like yeah. uh, makes a fairly racist comment early on to like taunt <laughs> blade. And yeah, I was wondering if that, um, I don't know. It just, how intentional that is like what blades blackness how blades blackness like plays into his character john what are your thoughts on the subject (laughs) you know i have a lot of strong opinions on this no it it was just it's just crazy because it's like i think it's a piece of the character for sure oh yeah they made like a blade move with like a white guy that's definitely wrong so i think we can say that it's a piece of his character right yeah and he's and it's just interesting because we didn't get around to a black superhero again until Black Panther, and that movie hasn't even come out yet. Right? Yeah, and people. Are- and it's like the first one did, and it did very well. Yeah, yeah. It's- and it's like I know, and I, I, and it just sucks that it's like, why, why couldn't Iron Man be black? I mean, Robert Downey Jr. was perfect casting yeah. for Tony Stark, but why couldn't like you know? That's the moment you could take that you could take the opportunity and do whatever you want there. All right, so here is some movie. Here are some movies that David S. Goyer wrote. Uh, first of all, he wrote Dark City, which is not a comic movie, but fucking I rules love that one. hard. Dark City is so good. I and it came out the same year as Blade, quite a year for David S. Goyer. Uh, Blade 2, Blade 3, Batman Begins, uh, The Invisible. I don't remember what that is. He actually, oh, he's a director of that, excuse me. Um, Ghost Rider, he produced. Jumper, he wrote. Uh, the movie. Dark Knight. Ghost Rider 2, Spirit of Vengeance. Great, insane movie, by the way. Really? Is yes. it? Yes. Absolutely insane. That's I. I remember he pisses fire. uh, Nicholas Cage pisses fire off the back of a moving truck. My I, I would my preference for Nicholas Cage insane hell themed movies is what's the one with about driving hell drive or oh uh, drive me to hell or drive me to whatever that one is. That's my that's my (laughs) preference for Nicholas Cage movies about vehicles in hell. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) Um. So Dark Knight Rises, and then he, he worked most recently on Man of Steel and Batman vs Superman: Dawn of Justice. So he's like pretty like one of the big writers of comic um, yeah, book movies, you know. World and he really invented it with um, with Blade in a lot of ways. Blade, yeah, it's just cra- like it's crazy how good Blade was, and then you didn't get a really another good comic book movie for so long. Well, X Men came out like two years later. Oh, X Men. Yeah. Blade is so forgotten. People talk about good comic movies, and they always. I think when you ask people like, what are the first like comic movies that right. kick this thing off, they'll say. X-Men and they'll say the Sam Raimi Spider-Man right. like Blade is Blade is really Blade. forgotten and it was a hit it was a big hit yeah and it was fucking cool it was like you and you talking about how it leads into the Matrix is like is insane I can't believe I didn't register that even rewatching it it's like black long trench coats um fuck and like it is like Keanu Reeves like Neo is the one so he has like a little bit of uh, a special power Blade being the daywalker right, right. Sort well that's of like, like a- some Joseph Campbell shit I think I don't actually right, know anything yeah. about Joseph Campbell but whenever I hear anything cliche I'm like that's probably some Joseph <laughs> Campbell shit let's talk a little bit about what being a daywalker means okay so Blade has all the strengths of humans and weaknesses he's a vampire and he has all their strengths and stuff but he can yeah. walk around during the day sun doesn't affect him yeah um, but he does have the thirst he, yeah. uh, the sun garlic and silver don't affect him but he does have the thirst right and it's because his mom was pregnant was bit by a vampire uh, by Deacon Frost. Yeah, we learned, you know, right? it's funny. As many times as I've see seen this movie, I totally forgot that Deacon Frost was the vampire. It's sort of like meaningless at the yeah, end. Yeah, I like, forget that. That's his mom, too, Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. That's his yeah. mom at the end. Who's a vampire and he kills her. Right. I mean, so it does actually, it's, it, it does bring back that origin story at the end. Like, right, it actually right. does, 
it's interesting, like, it's not an origin story. It's just, like, the most eventful week of Blade's life where, like, he meets this woman, she cures him of his thing, Deacon, yeah. he kills Deacon Frost, Deacon Frost upsets the existing vampire order. Right. Uh, Whistler dies. So it's just, like, you just catch him during this, and he finally meets his mother, who he thought was dead, but has right. been a vampire. Has to kill her. <laughs> been a sexy Deacon Frost vampire for a long time. I know. I, I was like, holy shit, she looks so young. Oh, right, vampires. <laughs> right, right. Um, and it's sort of a twist at the end that she's there. Something else I picked up again, picked up on watching the movie that I've never noticed watching the movie a thousand times is um, the nurse, who's like the female lead of the movie, yeah. which is a very thankless role. Um, right. I wrote down her name. What's that? What's uh, Let me see what that actress's name is. She's not been... Being this, the lead female in an action movie is a tough gig. It's, it's not a springboard. Yeah, it's unfortunate um, Your how set decoration. like they don't like she's deaf like no one even alludes to her character in blade 2 you know she gets like, a yeah i know right she doesn't even exist in blade 2 she has a couple of cool moments in blade 1 though she has that moment where uh um she fight like i thought which was a cool moment from deacon too when he's like uh say hello to an old friend and it's the they they have the guy that she used right. to work with. So I didn't on. realize as many times I've seen that movie that's the guy from that opening scene. Like, yeah. and that guy in that opening scene is kind. He kind of creeps on her a little. Right. Like, and he does it again in, in yeah. when he says, uh, "Vampire." He goes, "Do you ever th wonder why we didn't work out?" And he's like all fucked up and shit. Yeah, and like, but even when he's like not a zombie vampire or whatever, he's asleep. Yeah, yeah, he's like. He says something to her, and she's like, "I, I told you not." Like he's been sexually harassing her, and she like politely has shut it down, and he's like still doing it, yeah. and um. I, at first, I'm watching it like I just never realized that. And I was like, "Oh, they're just making it okay for him to die in a few moments, right, you right, know? Right, like they're right. just like making it cool that this guy's gonna die." But then they they do bring it back at the end. Yeah, and he's still sleazy even in the fucking uh, afterlife, which yeah. is awesome. Um, so you know who else is a great character? Uh, great like third, fourth character, fourth level character in this movie is there's um one of the familiars they have is that cop who like comes oh, to kill her. Yeah, yeah. And Blade, Blade finds the cop and like knocks him around the apartment for information and there's just like a minute of the movie where this like cop is that he must be a stuntman or something because there's like a solid just minute getting the shit yeah. kicked out him all that he gets thrown into things by wesley snipes for like a solid minute of the movie yeah and it looks so casual yeah because blade's strength is played because he's not fighting a vampire in this right. moment so his strength is played for such laughs when he's like just throws the guy against the wall, knocks, and the woman is standing there in her own apartment, just watching a daywalker smash a fucking police officer. And then around. even later, when she they, he tracks him to the place, like he 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 lets oh, him he go, and then he him, tracks yeah. him, right. and then like when he finds him, he like beats him up some more, like right. throws him into the car, and like I was just like, this guy's pretty good. Like that actor gets thrown around a lot, and like he makes it look pretty convincing. So cop familiar. If you're listening to this, great job. Uh, Blade also features that moment where Whistler rescues them when he like blows open the door and starts spraying machine gun fire. Yeah. And that Blade and Blade 2 both suffer from the, not suffer, but they predate the idea of taking cover in action movies. Mm -hmm. Like there's never, like at some point, some movie got a little more realistic and cover became a thing where people would right. duck, reload and stuff. Blade is predates that. Whistler literally goes, Listen up, motherfuckers. He's just a 70-year-old man standing there shooting a machine gun, like taking up the whole frame. Right. Blade is always just standing. The bad guys all just run into a room and start immediately firing. There's like nobody hiding for cover and protecting themselves yeah. in any way. That's a cool scene, too, um, <laughs> when Blade is – that's the scene immediately after the giant fat man-woman thing. 
and they're in like the vampire archives and there's like a vampire Bible. And that movie actually does a really good job like world building without like stopping for things. Like right. Blade's like, this is the vampire Bible. Like it's their history or whatever, like that. But like just that Deacon Frost is like a 12 year old girl who's a vampire in his employment. It's like that is a, that implies a lot. And like there's some story there, right, you know? Right, yeah. Um, and she's the little karate chick. Right, right. But like you see her at the party too. Yeah. And like it's like, what is it like to be like with this crew as an eternal 12 year old? I think maybe that's in a. Interview with a vampire, which I think, I've never yeah, seen. I think um, Kirsten Dunst is like a child vampire. But yeah. um, that, like, and it's in Buffy a little too. Everything's yeah. in Buffy. But um, that, you know, it's 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 cool. It's like there's it's it's a pretty well written movie. Like, I mean, it's not like it, did, it was not nominated for any Oscars that right, year, right. but it's like very tight. Like, there's no loose ends. Like, the it, action it, sequences it, it, are set up great. Yeah, it moves forward. Like, you know what everyone wants in any moment. Like, um. A complaint I've had about a lot of the recent Fast and the Furious movies is like they're fun and they're good, but like I don't un- like I don't think they make sense. And not that they don't make sense that like a car is flying between two buildings, like yeah. that's cool. I don't care, but like, like why just, are like, they still doing? Yeah, this? If you just like pause the movie and like why are they there? Like what do they want? What does she want? Like yeah. I, none of that. But, family. The answer is family. <laughs> but in Blade, uh, it makes it like it's it's just simple. Like it's just a good simple movie. But there's little pockets of interesting world building going on and like yeah I like that moment because you talking about that you fi- kind of hear what that the doctor or nurse wants um, when she says like uh, oh you didn't find a cure he's like no I'm not telling I'm not showing you a cure right and it's like oh she got attacked by vampires or like they've been fucking and she hates them now and she's gonna use her skill set like she feels driven in that movie which is never true of a second female lead in yeah movie. even the creepy dude who gets killed and then comes back at the yeah. very end like even that's like better than it has like that they didn't need to make that guy creepy like they could yeah. like even that's just like someone took a minute to think about like how can we set this up for later right and you know that blade 2 has a, a lot of good like se- uh things that they set up that and like they then called back. yeah, yeah. I, well, I guess, we'll talk about that but i guess the first one does that a little bit too i'm yeah, trying to think yeah. exactly well, how. well the, the sword handle is a great sword handle yeah, that's a good like one. a fu- which Chekhov is like off moment. You see it like five times. Yeah, so. which is just like good screenwriting, you know, just like setting things up and like not planting like, all those little. Yeah, like seeds, nothing yeah. comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Like everything's explained, and um, it's really a tight little movie. Like it's it's good. I watched it. I forced someone to. I was like, hey, I gotta watch Blade One, <laughs> and I've made someone watch it this week, and they'd never seen it. And like thirty minutes in, they were like, this is pretty good. Right? Like they were doing it to be polite, and they were. I did not expect it to be good, and they were like, "This is a totally good, watchable movie." Um, I think there's a great moment in Blade when I, when he comes, he kills a bunch of uh, vampires. Then when the vampire, a, a semi dead vampire, ends up at the hospital, this is how the mm-hmm. woman gets involved. When the woman gets bit, it's Donald Donald Logue. Gets, it's Donald Logue, yeah. right? Oh, he's burned. Yeah, he's uh, he's almost completely crispy. Also, yeah. very fun effects, yeah. but he's still alive and he's slowly recovering. Um. When when Blade rescues her and he runs up to the window with her when he's being chased by the cops and he looks back and he just takes her and, th- and throws <laughs> her across the street from one building window to land on the roof like in a dumpster on the other building. And then when the guys come in, he looks back and he just and Blade never really makes any facial expressions the entire yeah. movie. And he's uh, 
he is a black dude dressed in all black with black sunglasses, and he just turns and smiles like big, bright white teeth at yeah. the guys, and then leaps out and then like rolls right next to the chick. He like threw, thro- like he couldn't jump with her, but he could throw her separately and then jump separately. You know what I remember? Another thing I noticed that I remember that I noticed watching this movie again that I've never picked up on before is. In the, after that scene, her arm is dislocated, and he pops, pops it back it in. in. Yeah. Later in the movie, his arm is dislocated, and she pops it back in. Oh, I don't know shit. what that means exactly, but I'm just like, there's nothing like that in Spawn, you know? Right. Like, there's nothing like that in That's like. That's right, right. She goes, my arm, it's dislocated, and he just. Yeah, I don't. I mean, when does I, she do it to him? I'm trying to remember. Uh, I can't recall, but I just knew it's in the movie. That's a very cool way to set up a love interest for a superhero. If they're two people like willing to just pop each other's shoulders back in. Blade one and two both have like that quasi love interest where it's like obviously she's the love interest, but they never officially. Ma- they never make that official. They never kiss or anything. Right, but, like, right. But there's something going on. Th- but like the- she's a love interest, I guess. Yeah. I uh, I don't know. That's. It's like imagine if there was like a scene in that movie where like they're just like by a fire and he's like I don't know how much longer I can do this you know yeah, and she's exactly. like caresses like, him and then like, like you see his sunglasses with a reflection of a yeah. fire and he's like she, and she comes up behind him puts his arms around him and it's like you do what you need to do you know <laughs> and Blade Two we can, we can talk about this more same thing there's like a woman in that movie who's like they're obviously supposed to be fucking but yeah. like they're just you know it's just it's there's just like some sexual tension but like never I dealt think with. that's what makes the Blade movies kind of int- like they don't go by like the formula that you need to have all that stuff. Stuff, yeah, you know, they kind of just fucking dive into the action. Uh, what were, what, let's just talk. Let's before we get out of here, let's just talk about a couple of Blade One action set pieces. Like, what were some of your, uh, what were some of the favorite moments? Um, well, the opening, strong opening, strong opening. Fucking shotguns work great in movies. What's like the this. ending? How, oh, the ending is probably the best part, I guess. I mean, the CG is just like so fun. You yeah, know? when like. It. Yeah, the, he's like swelling up. I think we've covered the major action scenes, which are the opening right. rave scene, the vampire archives theme where Whistler shows up, right, and right. the end. Those are, I think, the three major action yeah, scenes, right? Yeah. Blade 2 has more of them. Yeah, Blade the 2 has budget. way more. Yeah, there's a higher yeah, budget. Yeah. But they're all, I mean, there's other vampires he fights. You know, was, uh, the scene where Donal wakes up all burnt and kills the creepy uh, nurse. You can see, like, he's, like, way, like full body makeup, like, his body's chart, and he gets up, he's, like, blah, blah, blah. he's, like, yeah, yeah. tongue out. Like, it looks like he's just having, like, the most fun day on set. Oh, just, like, yeah, yes, he's yes, just, like, yes, yes. running around half naked, covered in body chart makeup, just being, like, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Like, he has a great moment with uh, Stephen Dorff later, too, where... Uh, they're talking about go get him uh, alive, and he's like alive, alive. Like, and I forget exactly what happens, oh, yeah. but like Stephen Dorff plays along with something Donald Logue is saying, and it feels completely improvised. Like they're just too. Right. I, I wish I could remember what the sequence is, but there's a very funny interaction between. Yeah, the it's two. like at that party scene, and he's yeah. like, "I want him alive," and he's like, kind of, he's like, "Whoa, hold, like, what? What yeah. are you sure about that?" And he's just like, <laughs> kind of afraid of it. Um, you know what might be my favorite scene, and I think it's how the Vampire Archives ends. My favorite shot is him rubbing Donal Logue's face against the subway and like oh, removing yes, out of his face. Yes. And then when the subway goes by, and she's and like Blade's looking at it, and he's holding the, he's like, "Hold on," and she's like, uh, "I didn't like how I did that voice." She's yeah. like, "Hold on," and she uh, and she's like, "You're not gonna do it." And then he like grabs onto the subway. He's like, I think about that when I see a subway car going by me in New York all the time. Just like grabbing onto it and seeing my arm leave with the the train while my body stays on the Is that how he dislocates his shoulder? Mm, I don't think so. I'm trying to remember. But he just like grabs onto the back of the subway. 
And I thought, and then he gets on the subway, and I was like, is this the movie? There's so many of these scenes where, like, they get on the subway, and there's, like, a weird van, and then, like, everyone on the subway is looking at them. Yeah, but and they, they, like, they, they just, like, nod and sit down. Yeah, yeah. it's New York, and it's yeah. crazy, but they just, they just sit down. And <laughs> that like, is a very used trope in, of, yeah. like, movies that take place in New York. Or even if it's, like, there's some crazy motherfucker on the F train, it's like... Man, it's the F train, brother. <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like- the, the movie is in New York, right? It's never. I don't know that it's actually explicitly said. It's, I don't. It's not. It's like Vancouver, New York. Yeah, but I, it's but like Russia it's, in two, right? Two opens in Russia, but I one think, ends in Russia. Right, right. There's like a coda in Russia where he cuts a fucking guy's but head. But I off. think it is. Um, I think I think it's in New York, but I'm not sure it's ever explicitly stated. You know, one other thing. I'm just like gotta get all my. When else am I gonna have a chance to talk to people about Blade One? <laughs> Um, sort of going back to that youth thing, the other thing that makes Deacony very like youth focused is he like translates. This is something I never really picked up on. This is going back to that youth theme. He translates the uh, vampire text and how to resurrect the blood god with the computer. And Udo right. Kier comes in. He's like, "We've been working on this for years, and like no one can translate it. It's a fool's error." Right. But he's like sitting there listening to like it's not an iPod it's probably too early but he's like blasting techno music there's a lot of techno music in this movie even when they're not at a rave oh yeah as and in blade 2 also yeah it was but 99 he, like i was like listening to chemical brothers and fatboy slim and orbital at this point in my life and daft punk right. these are the band so like blade hit and i was like yeah but there's a, uh, he translates it with a computer and like that's how he's able to do this thing that no one was able to do before yeah. and there's a great i love like I mean, it's cool because Blade is not dated. Like, it feels like a modern movie, like right. we keep saying. But you the see the computer com- imagery the computer, part. Yeah. And the computer's like, theoretically, like, the computer, like, translates it and then, like, draws a little diagram yeah. of what he's going to do so, like, you as the viewer can understand what the finale right. of the movie is going to be. like, the be. blood come down and how it goes in and stuff like There's that. There's also a scene after he kills Whistler where Frost leaves a, a VHS tape for Blade Defied. And, like, right. Blade puts the tape and he's like... Chunk and like you can see on the tape it's like SP and it's like oh cool like Frost like Frost isn't like cheaping out here going for trying to fit more on the tape he's yeah it's funny that Frost like took the time to set up like a high eight camera <laughs> yeah. and like, convert it to VHS <laughs> yeah those were bang the ass in those days <laughs> so it's like funny whenever I mean to the movie's credit um it that really it feels does so it doesn't feel dated at all yeah. yeah I know I keep bringing up Buffy I watched Buffy not when it was on I watched it a while ago probably eight or nine years ago at this point but um not when it was on. And Buffy's the same thing. Like, it feels like a new show. Like, it feels like there's arcs, and, like, it's it feels like a new modern show, and it's as good as a new modern show. But, like, in the first season, there's a scene where Willow, who's uh, Allison Hannigan, hands, like, Buffy, like, a 3.5-inch disc. And I was like, holy shit. Like, right. you know, like, it feels like it's it feels like it's from the 6th. Like, it's... And that feels so archaic. It feels yeah. so... Yeah. Like, yeah. even a CD feels archaic at this point. But to see something that feels modern and then see someone pull out one of those diskettes is, like... Oh, it, that's so funny, it, it really yeah. takes... It, um, it's to Buffy's credit and it's to Blade's credit that like e- even though the technology is now dated like the movie doesn't feel like it at all yeah and it, f- does, it feels good Why, like uh, alright so uh, we can wrap this up here because we, we, we still have an hour of Blade you and I have to uh, transition to your podcast yeah. so Jeff do you have anything you want to plug while you're no uh, just the podcast which is the Jeff Rubin Jeff Rubin show on the wonderful HeadGum Network it's usually interviewing weird people uh, who are not interviewed on other podcasts like um, yeah. for example my friend Scott who does uh a pizza, pizza tour, tour. Yeah. Justin, who uh, runs a, you know, I listened to your marijuana episode with uh, with, the, with the guy from Vice, which was yeah. great, and like right before I recorded that one with my friend Justin, who uh, 
runs a marijuana testing facility, like a lab in Oregon where they like test for potency. He, oh, like started a business where they open in the lab. Oh, that's so it's cool. like cool, weird people um, who you hopefully don't get to hear interviewed. If on you're a podcast. fan of High and Mighty, and I'm assuming listeners of this show, if you made it this far, <laughs> yeah, they cherry pick. Uh, I'm assuming because based on my numbers, they are all over the place. So I'm sure people cherry pick based on topics. Your podcast is good for that as definitely, well. If, definitely, definitely. If you're worried about you don't want to get into 100 episodes, you could pick the 10 topics that intrigue yeah, you the most. I always I highly help. recommend the summer movie previews. Oh um, yeah, with, those, with Pat Castle. Those are my favorites. Yeah, I thank you. I have. Yeah, I, it's funny you can see. It's funny because like I try to. I really do try to find weird people, and like sometimes they do work. I, like I love when one flops because like it was like not flops. It's fine. Yeah. But, like when one doesn't like when one is like just kind of at my floor of downloads. Yeah. Just because it was so specific, and I can see people. Those are my favorites. Like, right. Like because I never thought I would give a shit about the guy who invented the Dothraki language for right. Game of Thrones, but that episode was fantastic. Even that one's pretty obvious because I mean Game of Thrones is like very popular, so it's yeah. like easy to get people to listen to that. But like I did one with like the paper airplane world champion. Oh that was, yeah. That that was great too. Yeah, but like, was... not a lot of people listen to that one, which is right. like fine. But like, I I I love when not a lot of people listen because that means I like found something insane. Like, I like finding the most obscure thing possible. Yeah. yeah, that's like you a... had the guy who had the um, Bahaman. Uh... Yeah, I wish that's the one. Actually, thank you for bringing that up. That is the best one I think I've done in a long time. And if anyone is just like any old topic, I did one with this guy. Um, from the muse- he runs something called the Museum of Who Let the Dogs Out. <laughs> he is a world expert in who let the dogs out. He's been researching it. It's not really a museum. It's uh, more of a collection of things he has that he displays when he can at like art spaces or whatever. But it is a insane. I mean, he you know like if you make a gold record, like you get like a framed gold record with like the cover and like how he has two of them for that song that he got from like the account because like everyone in the credits gets one like he got the gold record from like the accountant he has like 50 t-shirts because it was like so merchandisable but what's really interesting is he knows so much about the history of the song and the song yes who let the dogs out has a much more interesting history um then you know like it's isn't actually, it about like uh who let all these ugly chicks into the club no it's actually the opposite um oh one is it's i a, thought that's what the song was about it's no. a cover um, and you, I'm telling you secondhand, and he told me a month ago, so I might get some of this wrong. You go listen to the episode, but it's a cover of um, another song. Like, there's another. First of all, "Who Let the Dogs Out" is a cover, which is already mind blowing. Like, the <laughs> verses are different, but the "Who Let the Dogs Out" thing is a cover. And additionally, um, there's some songs before it that have like a "Who Let the Dogs Out" "Who Who Who" thing in them that uh, sued or didn't sue, or there was controversy about. So there really is a pretty interesting history. Uh, what was your question? I, ign- I ignored it. Um, I thought it was... The, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the original thing like, um, was actually a response to... The original version was actually a response to hip-hop at the time, um, as it was told to me, had a lot of misogynistic songs, Beat My Bitch With A Bat, that sort of thing. Yeah. And um, they wanted someone wanted to do a positive song, and Who Let The Dogs... The dogs were actually like the... Uh, like scuzzy dudes. The scuzzy dudes. Like dog, the dogs are actually like the patriarchy. And yeah. who let them out was, I don't know, society or yeah, something. who let them be in charge. And yeah. like, in, I don't think, I don't know that you can get any of that from the Baja men, especially like with the video. It's like kind of just like a good party time yeah. anthem. But uh, in its initial initial conception by uh, Anselm something, I think, um, it was actually like the opposite of that. It was like a, a very... Um, it was a response to like these these really misogynistic songs that were coming out at the time. It's crazy, and it's like that's what I love to do is find like the most boring topic and and like find someone who's like made it interesting. And let me tell you, that guy's a winner. So uh, oh, that's go awesome. back and check that one out. Well, so check out the Jeff Rubin Jeff Rubin show, and, and at least check it out. 
this coming yeah. Tuesday for uh, <laughs> the episode of Blade 2 that I'll be talking about on his podcast. Um, as always, I'm at John Gabris on Twitter. You're at Jeff Rubin Show. That's at Jeff Rubin Show. I always yeah. tweet at you, at Gabris, and you've tweeted at me like several times, <laughs> yeah. like, I'm John Gabris, <laughs> goddammit, and I think yeah, that's great. some fucking Gabriella Ganelli has my fucking name. She hasn't I register. Sure. I have Jeff Rubin Show. I registered Jeff Rubin on like every social. Like, if I hear about a new social network, I'll go register Jeff Rubin on it now. Yeah, smart, never again. Never again. Move. Yeah. yeah. Ne- ne- even if I never use Peach. Yeah, at least. I have Jeff Rubin if on it, Peach. If it blows up, I have I'm ready for it. Yeah, I got exactly. it on, uh, what's that weird one with an O? Oh, I wouldn't even know. I don't know. It was like, it's like, uh, I'm out of the loop. On whatever. The loop. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, uh, Gabriel, look for me, look for Jeff on the weird social network with an O where I have the name Jeff. Rubin. Yeah. Add me. <laughs> Search Jeff Rubin on that social network with the word O in, with the letter O in it. Um, Gabrus.com slash shirts. Check out the little hours coming to theaters at the end of the month. Oh, I can't and wait to see that. Also, check out the Action Boys Patreon. Patreon.com slash Action Boys with a Z. Me, Stanger, and Rogers are launching on June 19th. Are you guys that having month. guests? Can I start bothering you to be on that one, too? Uh, we are uh, going to some, have some guest episodes, so I feel like we uh, would have you on. Next, time, next time I'm in L.A. Yeah, next time I'm in L.A. It, let's make it work. Uh, cool. All right. Well, thank you, Jeff. Thanks for having me, John. Bye, shitheads. That was a headgum podcast. <laughs>